The reading this morning is taken from Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 17, and that can be found on page 1134 in your church Bibles. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. That's great. I just want to start really by just sharing a word of testimony. Yeah, just a couple of words of testimony really about um, our Christian lives. And really there's, there's two things just by way of introduction and personal testimony. Um, two th- I mean, I've been a Christian now for nearly 40 years. And uh, there's two things that constantly have come up over the years. One is experiencing God. How do we experience God? Very often in our churches and in our Christian lives, you know, we read the word of God, but somehow we don't experience the word of God. Uh, we don't experience God actually working in our lives. The other one is about uh, personal salvation and assurance. 
Firstly, being a foster carer, I found a profound spiritual experience. Um, about five years ago, I had the most profound spiritual experience of my entire life before I ever became a foster carer. And it's one of those experiences that's often described as baptism in the Holy Spirit, when you're completely and totally immersed in the Spirit of God and you're taken into a, into a place which is beyond your natural realm. And that was an incredible experience that I shall never, ever forget and which has changed my life. That experience was something which was personal to me, something which changed me inside, something which gave me an incredible freedom. That's something which I can't share with anybody else. That's something personal to me. And anybody that's had a spiritual experience like that will know what I'm talking about. And there are some of us here, um, and some of you who have had such experiences, and you just long for other people to experience something like that because it is so deep, so personal, and God is so amazingly real. <clears throat> and my um, experience of foster caring has given me something not quite as amazing as that, but pretty close to it. When you're caring for children who have had such incredibly traumatic backgrounds and you're working with children and you have all sorts of skills and abilities that are passed on to you by professional people to try and turn those children's lives around and you learn something about what those children have gone through, you begin to experience something of God the Father himself. And that is the profound experience that I have had as a foster carer. Now, I know that many of us are, are looking for a greater experience of God. And I can't, um, I can't ask God, well, I can ask him, but I can't make God give you a spiritual experience. But what I can recommend is that if you want a deeply, deeply spiritual experience so that you understand the Father heart of God, I'd recommend fostering or adopting the second thing I'd like to say is that all through my Christian life, there have been doubts. I think any genuine Christian will say, actually, there have been times of immense faith and understanding and belief and power. But there have also been very, very low points in our lives where we have actually doubted that we've been saved that this incredible gospel is actually true. And I think that is the thing many people actually can't believe the gospel because it is such an amazing story. It is beyond human ability to understand what this gospel is about. You know, we love stories, don't we? Um, rags to riches stories. And this gospel story is a rags to riches story, but is way beyond any rags to riches story that we could make up it is such an amazing story and, and so many people will say it's too good to be true and that's where my doubts have come from often I think to myself this is such an incredible story when I read the bible and I think actually is this really true it is so profound and so awesome is this really true and that's what the Apostle Paul seeks to address. He's writing this letter to the Roman people and he's encouraging them that actually if there are things in their lives that we'll look at in a moment 
they can be assured that they are children of God. One of the hardest parts of fostering is actually giving children up. And to me, that is perhaps the most profound part of being a foster carer. And Francis said that to give children up is is the hardest thing of all. And I think at that point, we begin to experience in our own hearts and in our own souls what it meant for God the Father to give up his own son. Okay, so Roman adoption in our passage is somewhat different to what we would know in the Western world. Roman adoption was something which was, is basically a mechanism in Roman society um, for the senatorial classes to um, continue their line. So very often uh, Romans would only have maybe one or two children and um, they had to have a male heir. And if there was no male heir, the solution would be to adopt. Um, And sometimes um, if they had boys, they would begin to realize that maybe those boys weren't quite up to the task of um, carrying on the family line, the family business, and becoming a senator themselves. So these matriarchs would, um, would look for an adoptee, somebody who had the right um, aptitude, skills, and abilities to be able to take on um, his role um, when he passed away. Many emperors themselves were actually adopted, and it could happen at any age. You could be 30, 40 years old, and you could be adopted. You could be an assistant to an emperor and be adopted at a later age. By contrast, Roman uh, slavery um, was something which was the most horrendous and evil trade perhaps this world has ever known. Roman slaves had absolutely no protection whatsoever. Roman slaves were literally the spoils of war or conquest, and they were people who, um, some people had amazing gifts and abilities, and other people had none whatsoever. They were literally property to be bought and sold. They would be executed, they would be um, put on trial, Without any, um, without a trial at all, they would be males, females, women, very often sold into brothels. Uh, they were sold in the marketplace. Um, they were humiliated. They, they often wore a plaque around their neck to show um, what sort of person they were, where they came from, how old they were, how fit they were. Um, they were presented in market like cattle. They were completely naked, so people, people who were buying them could actually see um, what they looked like. Some of them came with a six-month guarantee, and some came with no guarantee at all. Can you imagine the difference between a Roman adoptee into the very highest strata of society and being a Roman slave? There's almost no comparison And yet Paul says, he compares us with being a Roman slave, being adopted into the family of a senator. senator. Okay, so let's go to our first 
a verse. No, it's not working. Sorry, is it? Which one is it, Neil? Okay, sorry. That's lovely. Okay, so our first reference then, Romans 8.15 says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Paul sets out to assure us that our salvation is genuine and that we are children of God, or to challenge us if it's not true. He does this by showing us the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The first indication that we are children of God is that we have faith. The spirit you received brought about your adoption. How did the spirit bring about our adoption? Well, it is by faith, as we said already. By faith, by believing in your heart that the life, death and resurrection of Jesus is for you personally. That is faith. And that is something which is not from ourselves. You cannot believe in Jesus Christ and his life, death and resurrection unless God gives you the gift of faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that it's for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. You see, a child, can you imagine a child bringing about their own adoption? That is absolutely impossible. You know, sometimes um, before a baby's born, um, the authorities are aware that a baby is about to be born into a family where that child will suffer abuse, where that child will not be safe. We had a little boy with us. He was four months old when he came to us, and we had him for just four months. That little boy, uh, the authorities were aware that his mother was not actually mentally fit to look after the child. So the mother and the child went to what's called a mother and child baby placement. And um, the foster care was to observe how this mother was able to look after her baby and whether that baby was going to be safe or not. And after a few months, she decided actually that baby's life was at risk. That baby's life was in danger because the mother was unable to medicate the baby properly. She would over-medicate. That mother had no understanding of what it was to take a baby into a swimming pool and teach it how to swim. She would let it drop under the water and things like that. So that child was in danger. But before that child was born, the authorities were aware that something was amiss, that that child needed protecting, that that child was in danger. You see... He chose us in him before the creation of the world. He predestined us for adoption. He knew, God knew that we were going to be in big trouble in this world. And he set into place plans for our rescue before ever we were created, before ever we were born. Just like little, that little boy, before he was born, the authorities were aware that his life was going to be in danger. 
by faith. Faith is the first thing in Paul's list to show that we are children of God. The second thing he points out is holiness. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God in this way are the children of God. This is about changing our our lives. Our lives need changing. Our lives are facing in the wrong direction. The things that we do naturally lead to harm. They harm us and they harm other people. Therapeutic parenting is a tool that foster carers and adopters use to bring order and a sense of well-being into a child's life. Children typically will have been able to do whatever they like and whatever they please. Typically, a child will have had absolutely no discipline whatsoever in a dysfunctional family. The result is chaos and pain for both that child and everybody associated with him or her. Putting to death the misdeeds of the body is living the way our Heavenly Father intended for us to live. We were never made to just please ourselves by selfishly gratifying the sinful nature. Doing so results in chaos and pain that we see in the world around us. As the Spirit leads us into a new way of living, so too carers lead damaged children to a new way of life. Living this way is what Paul describes as having spiritual life. You know, the Holy Spirit introduced therapeutic parenting long before it was discovered by social workers. The Bible calls it holiness. That's the second thing. Do you have holiness in your life? Are you crucifying that sinful nature? Are you putting to death your own selfish desires? The third thing is trust. Verse 15 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Sometimes Christians fear to trust God for complete salvation. Sometimes they fear that somehow if we don't meet God's expectations, then he's going to send us back. You know, we actually had one child, and uh, that child went for adoption for just seven weeks, and after seven weeks, the adopters decided, no, this wasn't for them. And the child came back to us. You know, God's not like that. God's not like that. His adoption is perfect and is forever. Or sometimes we feel that our needs will not be met. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Why would our Father adopt us and then fail to meet our needs? Attachment theory is another aid that carers use to understand children in care. Dysfunctional families typically um, result in children not having any trust whatsoever in adults. They do not trust them to provide emotional or for their physical needs. And this results in emotional disconnection and a trust only in themselves. This is often manifest by children becoming shoplifters, for example. Um, We had a girl not so long ago, and um, she was just with us for a very short time, and her carer said, look, you're going to have to be careful, watch out, because she's very light-fingered. And she'll come home from school, and she'll go to the shop, and she'll pick stuff up and bring it home. And the reason for that is because in her dysfunctional family, she would get home, and there would be no food. And maybe her mother would have been completely out on drugs. She would have spent all the money on drugs or alcohol or something else. Or else the mother would not have even been at home. Very often these children, they come home and there's absolutely nothing for them. Another sign, very often um, children who come into care will eat food like they've never seen food before. And you have to tell them to slow down, slow down. We're not going to take it away from you. Your brothers and sisters are not going to come and take this food away from you. There's going to be more food in a few hours' time. Stop gobbling, you're going to choke. You see, there's a fear that the food is going to be taken away from them. I remember a little girl we had, she was just three years old at the time, and uh, we took her up to the Lake District, and if you know um, Langdale Pikes, there's a lovely hike up there, and she bounced all the way up there, And I just couldn't believe that she was so fit and energetic. Well, she got to the top and people kept saying, goodness me, how old is she? And it's like three. (laughs) Okay, so we got to the top. We got back down at the bottom of the Langdale Pike. There's this wonderful restaurant. And she just ran into this restaurant and she put her little feet on the bar and she pulled herself up and over. She said, can I have sausages and chips, please? (laughs) She was used to looking after herself because she didn't trust that we were going to give her food. And very often these children, they appear very mature, but it's really only self-preservation. But you know, over time, um, a child will learn to trust their adopted parents for all of their needs. And before long, you'll hear a little voice saying, Mummy, Daddy, please, can I have a biscuit? So the third thing that Paul says for us to watch out for is trust. Are you trusting in God to provide for all of your needs? Another thing Paul says is expectancy. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And in 2 Peter 3, Peter says, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. We're now co-heirs with Christ. We have a deposit, the Holy Spirit. We have already begun to partake in this spiritual life, in the life of God himself. We have a taste of what is to come. 
You know, our inheritance is not just going to be a physical inheritance. It's not going to be just a new heaven and a new earth, but it's going to be the very life of God himself, the very sinless life of Jesus Christ himself, the character, his righteousness. We're going to inherit a perfect, sinless life, the life that Jesus lived on this earth and an unbroken relationship with God the Father himself. You know, adopted children are co-heirs with natural-born children. They share the same father. They inherit the same estate. They inherit filial relationships. And if they grow up in a Christian home, they inherit a knowledge of God. So the fourth thing is expectancy. Are you enjoying God now? And are you looking ahead to your inheritance? Suffering. This is perhaps the hardest thing to come to to grasp, both in Christian life and in life in general. Verse 17 and 18. Paul says, If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory... I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Suffering is universal. Nobody can escape suffering. Like somebody said, you only have to live long enough to experience it. But I think what's meant here is suffering as a result of practicing your faith or of being a Christian Christ suffered, and so will we, if we're being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit is what Paul is talking about. um, That is a sign that we are children of God. You know, looking after uh, damaged children and children who had suffered abuse um, is going to be very, very difficult um, in all sorts of ways. But you know what? The most common reason for not fostering children that people give is that it's too painful to give them up. People say, oh, that's fantastic what you're doing. But you know what? I could never do it. I could never give those children up. Let's ask a couple of questions. What if the Son of God decided that it would be too painful to him to be crucified and separated from the Father? What if the Lord Jesus had objected coming into the world because he was too sensitive to sin? What if the Lord had failed to come into the world um, or not come into the world because of fear of failure? What would have happened? Where would we be now? You know, he was willing to suffer all of this for your sake and for my sake. And he expects us to join him in suffering. He left the security of his heaven in order to enter our world of pain and suffering in order that we may be adopted into his family and his home. You know, not everybody is able to foster or adopt, but I hope we can see that this story 
or rather their story is our story so that we can identify with vulnerable children and mirror the love of God into their lives. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing or not worth even considering with the glory that will be revealed in us. What is stopping us from adopting and fostering children? What reason would you give for not fostering or adopting children? If you want to know, if you want to have a greater experience of the love of God the Father, I would recommend fostering and adopting. Jesus said, I have left you an example. Go and do likewise. So this is the work of the spirit of adoption in in us. This is how we know that we are children of God. First, faith. Then holiness. Then a trust and expectancy and suffering. If you can identify with these five things in your life, then be assured that you are a child of God. You are indeed safe, you are adopted, and you are a child of God forever. And there's absolutely nothing that you can do or anybody else can do to separate you from his love. But if you cannot identify with any of these things in your life, and you have a desire to belong to the family of God, then ask God for that precious gift of faith. Number one on our list, before any of the others can come, is faith. If you're not a child of God this morning, and you want to be, then ask God for faith. It's a a gift that God loves to give.